This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode number 79, Lift Him Up. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. It's just what it sounds like. We take the Bible, we look at some interesting facts and things that are found in the Bible, some things maybe that you haven't thought of before, or maybe some things that you have but didn't know where they were and all the things that went along with them. And I've got some other folks joining me today. We've got Pastor Strobel from... Beautiful. I won't say sunny this time, Pastor Strobel, because I know it wasn't sunny last time either, but how's the weather there in Lockport? Sunny. Sunny. Of course. Of course it is. I fell, walked right into that one, didn't I? You sure did. So beautiful, sunny Lockport, New York, home of the locks, no less. Yes. Have you have you done the uh, you know lock experience? Have you gone taking the little canal right through the locks? I have. It's been a while, but I have done it, yes. And you know, there's like a... Did they close the Cave of the Winds thing there? Or the, no, it's not called the Cave of the Winds. That's Niagara Falls. But they, they, had, like <laughs> right. a, they had like a cave thing trip there, didn't they? I, I, I think they still have that there. Um, I've never been to that. We almost went once, and but the weather was uh, inclement, and they had canceled it for that day. Hmm. And actually, they just down there by the canal installed a zip line that goes over that so wow. they do that all in conjunction with it as well wow now i experienced the those caves when i was 16 i think of course at the time there was no official trip there matter of fact they had it sealed up walled up and of course at the time i wasn't <laughs> saved but they uh, we decided <laughs> let's explore this and we <laughs> like fools of 16 we we bought these uh you know rafts these rubber rafts and we said, well, what are we going to use to see? Well, we're going to use flares. Well, if you've, if, if you've ever if you've ever taken a rubber raft into the water in a in a dark cave and lit a flare, and you can't breathe, the smoke is like choking us out, and we couldn't see anything. And one of the kids lit fire to the raft, and his was sinking, and it was. Was the experience that was my experience uh, with the cave? Oh. I like to go back sometimes see what it really looks like. <laughs> it's amazing, I'm even here. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, really. <laughs> I know. Lori and the kids have uh, have done that trip with a homeschool group one time. So that was a few years back, but uh, still, they they were able to go through there and and uh, take part in that. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't use like flashlights. We had them then. Uh, yeah, well, let's use flares. <laughs> like it's more exciting or something. It was crazy. Anyway, I've learned a little bit since then, not a whole lot, but some anyway. And that the other person there chiming in was uh, Pastor Steve in, in beautiful, beautiful Buffalo. I'm not even going to say sunny or cloudy. It's light. It's light. This time of year, it's light. Uh, you know, one of the times before, I told you it was dark, now it's light. And uh, looking out in my backyard and seeing some deer and so forth and... And uh, enjoying this time of year, 
uh, even though it was cold, but uh, I like the when the sun shines. Yeah, we had sun here today, too, in the Finger Lakes, and man, but it was cold. The wind, we've had unbelievable wind lately, so uh, <laughs> you could step outside. I uh, stepped outside to uh, fill my car up with gas and almost froze my ears off. It was mm. cold. And let's see, speaking of cold, we've got from <laughs> the Arctic, Alaska, Matthew. Yeah, it's going to be here. Amen. You know, your beginning said, uh, you know, things that are in the Bible and all that. I was going to say, I was going to chime in and say, we need to add in. We're going to even talk about things that aren't in the Bible for uh, I think... my father-in-law tonight. That's going to be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> what a dig. What a His dig. study today. He's starting early, isn't he? Uh... <clears throat> Start Eric, early. did you disciple him or what? No, I think you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> disciple him. Well, that may be the problem. He might need to be yeah, discipled. That's probably it. <laughs> I, I have been undiscipled. <laughs> uh, so how's it? Is it dark light? What's going on there? I lose track of what it's supposed to be there now at this time of year. No, it's light. We're getting to the point now where it's going to be light 24-7. So it's... Uh, I think the sun goes down. I can't remember now. I think around nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. And, uh, but even after that, you know, it's still light out. So we're getting close to where around midnight, it's still going to be light. And then, uh, again, all the way, the whole, you know, for over a month, it's going to be, uh, just 24 seven light. So we're starting to get used to that. Jacob, you know, our year and a half year old son, uh, he's not uh, very tired anymore at nine thirty at night, <laughs> which is an issue. Because he doesn't know it's uh, that late. You know, it doesn't look like it's that late out. So. I think he heard you. Heard you call his name. I know. He hears me, yeah. He's outside the door. He just woke up, woke up from his nap. So you must get a lot of work done then. Uh, you know, it, what, isn't there a scripture reference, something along the lines of, uh, we have to work while it's still light, before the night or something? <laughs> I know. And, I, you know, I could be wrathful longer. You know, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So I yeah. can be <laughs> oh. I see you've thought this through. <laughs> I have, I have. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking yep. of thinking it through, we also have the our token scientist of the group, uh, Dr. Joel Brown. Hello, Dr. Joel. Thanks for having me. Can't believe you came back for more. Hey, I look forward to it. Glad you could join us again. And as we discovered last uh, last episode, you are a scientist that uh, specializes in the field of genetics. That's right. Yeah. Now, does that mean that Matthew should have blue eyes if I have blue eyes? <clears throat> so it's that's not um, a bad guess, but it's, it's, apparently it's not. But a good it's not one. guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, he does have blue eyes, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just checking. So how how how's the the field of science? Did you have a tough day at the lab, or what's going on? Oh, that's uh, it's always a you know constantly changing field. It's I think that's one of the interesting things and exciting things about being in science is every every day is different. You're you're never really doing the same thing two days in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. There's always something new and interesting uh, to study, uh, but it's also a lot of uh, uh, a lot of small steps to to make progress. So you don't see a lot of progress in one day or one week. Even a lot of times, it takes uh, months to make some meaningful progress on a mm-hmm. project. 
Hey, I can relate to that. And I'm not a scientist. <laughs> so now I picture you I picture you in the lab with like a white coat and a lot of beakers and things bubbling. Is that is that accurate or no? I should probably say that that's exactly what we look like just in case there's any um uh, health inspectors listening or <laughs> uh, but, but yeah in reality we only put those on when there's uh pictures to be taken in the lab <laughs> promo, promo and, shots. it's all a front i knew it <laughs> Steve's going to start uh, quoting from First uh, Timothy chapter six. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in reality, though, like oh, you would, there are plenty of uh, test tubes and beakers lying around, so you can you can be at peace that that's not a complete farce. Okay. <laughs> now, again, when I think about, I mean, because you have a PhD now, so I think about a person of your standing and state that. Um, you kind of get it from both sides, don't you? I mean, because the scientists community, probably uh, there's a fair amount of them that um, aren't Bible-believing Christians and might look upon you as, what? You know, you can't be a true scientist if you believe the Bible and, and you take you know creation seriously and all that stuff. And then on the other side, you get folks that are talking about, as I just mentioned, 1 Timothy 6, about, uh, what is it, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Do you feel like you're caught in the middle sometimes? Uh, and not, not really, not so much from the uh, um, Bible believer's side. Uh, I, I, I've never felt um, too much, I mean, of course, and this is because I I get along well with Bible believers, and I share all these things in common with them. So I, I haven't ever felt that sort of opposition on the Bible believer side. But then certainly on the scientist side, I feel like a fish out of water sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not a lot of um, fellowship. That's a good way to put yeah. it. <laughs> I can imagine. And... We're looking forward to your, uh, your, your, what is it? You can just have gone evolution and creation, right? Eventually here. Yeah. Soon? Yeah. And, uh, I think you can put me in the lineup, uh, whenever there's, there's an opening. All right. Um, I've, I had the opportunity to give some of, um, a similar presentation to a children's program at our church. And, and it's an interesting ministry, unlike anything I've been a part of before, because, um, it's the ch- church that I attend, which is um, Grace Baptist Church here in St. Louis, Missouri. It is right on the outskirts of the city, but it really serves. Um, it, there, there's an inner city feel to it near uh, in the area nearby, and so this outreach is is meant to try to reach into some of these homes, which are. Uh, mostly broken homes, rough, rougher environments. And so it's a crowd that I haven't uh, been exposed to that much, you know, in, in that rough Newfield, New York, where I came from. <laughs> mm. uh, so it's been a, really a great learning experience and an opportunity to be able to uh, have a part in teaching these these kids. And we did this um, a creation 
emphasis the last couple of weeks. The um, again the the program that you did at our church when you were here was fantastic. You did, you did like a three part series. It's really really well done. So I'm looking forward to it. How was everybody's week? <laughs> Which we've been <laughs> where, where are the crickets, Eric? Where are the crickets? <laughs> uh, I'm a little slow for some reason. <laughs> well, mine's just started. <laughs> yeah, you meant last week. Yeah. How was your week? I can't remember back that far. <laughs> You're missing the warmth of Texas? Uh, Texas was a blessing. Now, we did have, uh, of course, yesterday was church day. We're doing this on uh, April the 1st, and April Fool's Day came early for us. We got up, and there was snow all over the place for Sunday morning church on March 31st. Wow. And it yeah, was... Uh, Snow that stuck all over the trees, and you know, other than the fact that if you didn't have to deal with it, or it was, it would have been pretty. Mm-hmm. And I suppose if it was March, wasn't March thirty first, but another time of the year, it might have been pretty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I told our folks during announcements that um, you know, welcome to Western New York, where March comes in like a lion and goes out like a lion. <laughs> and that's about the way that it was. <laughs> yeah. But we had good services. We actually had a missionary in, um, uh, and we we had him in. He presented his work in Sunday school and also uh, preached for us on Sunday night, and I did the regular Sunday morning service myself. So I had a good time. I started last week uh, preaching on a series on the subject of the backslider, and I realized it hadn't been a long time since I preached a whole message on uh, backsliding. And the last time I did it was over five or six years ago on a Sunday night. And it may have been 10 or 15 years since I preached the whole message on it on Sunday morning. So uh, now they're getting at least a three-part series on the subject. And if you can have a good time talking about backsliding, <laughs> I think we are. Just because it's Bible. Uh-huh. Amen. How about you, Steve? Anything great going on there? Well, I, I wouldn't say something great, but I mean, we had some visitors at church, which is always exciting. And uh, yeah, it is. I had some uh, uh, extended family, I guess you could say. Um, one of my son's uh, wife's parents were in from Upper Michigan and uh, had good fellowship with them, had dinner with them uh, and uh, Jason and Hannah on Friday. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. You know, we, we've kind of known each other just really on a cursory basis. We went up and, and saw them during the wedding. I think they passed through one time, and, and they might have sat in a service uh, a few years ago. And that's all the contact we really had with them. And then on Friday, we sat down at the table, had di- had, had dinner. And then uh, uh, Hannah's dad and I sat at the table and just started talking. And then everybody else gathered around, and we probably talked for about Oh, good three hours or so. And, uh, you know, I know this is a terrible word, but shared our testimonies with each other and, uh, you know, just things that are going on, talk some Bible and, and, you know, it was like, you know, I had known them for, for years and years and years just to be able to have a, a comfortable conversation, uh, with them. And that was, a, it was a real blessing having them there at church on Sunday and, uh, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, they're on their way now, going down to Augusta, not for the golf tournament, but they're going down to see one of their other children that's in that area. 
And uh, so it's just been a real blessing to uh, be able to minister the Word of God and uh, have have a place to to serve the Lord. Uh, you know, some people would be really discouraged that it's a, a small ministry, and and we've been here for uh, a number of years, and it hasn't grown greatly. But in our eyes, it has. I mean, from what we started with to what we have now, uh, it's a, it's a blessing. So uh, we just look forward to each week trying to minister the Word of God and see what we can do to get people to come to church. I'm looking really looking forward to uh, retirement, where I can go out on the streets and and just meet people one on one and 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 deal with them, uh, you know, as much as they'll allow me. Uh, there in the community itself, and uh, by day, hopefully we'll be able to grow even more. So, uh, just uh, I enjoy serving the Lord and talking to people about about what He's done for me. So praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. How about Matt and Joel? How was your week? Yeah, it's been uh, been good. We um, just had baptismal service last night at church, and um, so you know, here in the village, we don't have a lot of room in our church, so we um, have a baptistry that you can set up, put the liner in, and everything. It's a lot of work, but uh, it's a blessing. We had a teenager, a young kid uh, from King's Kids. That they, have, they both got saved. They got baptized, and then also. Uh, one of the uh, girls that was in King's Kids, our kids ministry, then she got old enough to go in the teen class, and she's been real faithful in teen class. Um, her mother now is coming to church, and uh, she got baptized, and she got saved back. Um, the other missionaries that are out here, they knew her back when she was in you know, Sunday school many, many, many years ago. So uh, it's just it was a blessing to see that, and uh, so that's been really good. And uh, last Sunday, we had... Not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before that, I've been praying for this uh, girl named Ella to get saved. And one of our teenagers has been inviting her and inviting her. And finally, she got saved. And uh, it was just a blessing. I, I can't remember if I mentioned this last time we had the podcast, but um, just been really on my heart. Just, um, you know, sometimes you can go months without seeing somebody get saved. And this doesn't seem like the doesn't seem like, you know, anybody's really getting the gist of it, you know, especially when they're lost and. But it was neat. I was uh, preaching on having peace and the peace of God and all that from uh, Romans chapter five, you know, verses three to four and all that. And I said, if you're not saved, you don't have any peace. You, you don't have the peace that passes all understanding. And, uh, you know, I was talking about how you're condemned already without Jesus Christ. You're under the wrath of God. And every time I would say those things, I'd kind of glance over at her and she'd put her head down. And uh, for months now, she's she's really been, uh, you know, dealt with. You could definitely tell. And so finally, uh, this last Sunday, uh, she, you know, raised her hand and said that again, I mean, she's always raises her hand when I give the invitation that she doesn't know where she's going to go when she dies. And then finally this, uh, last Sunday, uh, I, I said, okay, now if you want to get saved, every, every, you know, head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to get saved right now, lift up your hand, uh, stating that you want to, you know, go and get saved. And so she lifted her hand, looked right up at me. I said, okay, go right now, you know, and, and so that was a blessing. So uh, she got saved. I mean, that was, that's a huge, um, not to get into too much details with, with things going on here in the village, but, uh, the Eskimos here are mainly Episcopal. Episcopal church has been here for a long, long time. And that's pretty much Roman Catholicism, you know, just a, a shoot off of that. And so they believe in works and all that. And, and so, it's just a testimony to the missionaries that have been here for, you know, 23 years going on. Actually, it's almost 25 years now this next year 
that the most of the people in the village, um, especially teenagers, they see the Baptist churches have been been here forever, and uh, and that's a testimony of their faithfulness. And but anyway, Ella's mother and grandmother absolutely hate us. <laughs> uh, they don't really care for us at all uh, because they're they're all Episcopal, and uh, so it's just the mercy of God and the grace of God that she's able to come when she does. And the fact that she got saved, so it's it's just such a blessing. So I thank the Lord for that. Amen. 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 How about you, Joel? How was your week? Well, it was a uh, <clears throat> it was a good week. I feel like in uh, a lot of ways, um, it was an important week in our lives. We made some important decisions as far as what we're going to be doing while we're here in St. Louis. Uh, I can't quite divulge them all right now, but um, it was. I think it's going to be. Um, uh, it, they 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 needed to be made. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. And uh, so that <clears throat> that was a big uh, a big step, I think, in our lives. And we are. Uh, I should I should give just a little background on <clears throat> what we do here in St. Louis. So I'm married. I have five children from eight or not quite eight. He's, our oldest is almost eight, um, and. My wife homeschools them all. So this is a big part of our lives, uh, <clears throat> raising the family and then participating in our local church here in St. Louis. Um, one of the interesting things, this is not this is not spiritual. It's just something I've never experienced until I moved here. <laughs> our church is right along the Mississippi River. And so yesterday we were driving to church, and that river is almost up to the road. Wow, it is amazing how how high that river rises this time of year. Uh, our church in the flood of '93 was completely surrounded by water. They had it sandbagged, and hmm. it sounded like it was quite quite an ordeal. And we were surprised how high the water was getting uh, nearby the church uh, yesterday. So we don't deal with blizzards; we deal with flooding. Hmm. And I got to say, you know, and I don't know if I mentioned it last time, but Joel attended and his family attended the church that uh, I attend. And they, you are, you guys are sorely missed. Everybody wishes you would return. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, uh, the feeling is mutual. I mean, I still tell people, I feel like New York is still kind of home, but we haven't felt, we haven't adjusted completely to St. Louis yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, thank God for a good church. That makes a big difference. We've made some fantastic um, friends and, and um, just some good folks in this church. It's a small work, but um, they're real good people there. And that's been uh, extremely helpful. But but it's not, it still isn't, you know, Bible Baptist Fellowship back up in Alpine, yeah. New York. So, Amen. All right. Well, Steve, I read the show notes to your... Uh your study today, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, amen. I hope everybody else is. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they are, and Matt especially. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for what yeah. that's not in the Bible. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> My antagonist. <clears throat> eh, everybody needs one, right? Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go ahead and get started if you're ready, Steve. I'm ready. All right, here we go.
All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, do another podcast here. If you have a Bible, I'd like for you to turn to uh, Psalm 145. Psalm 145. While you're turning there, let me uh, let me go ahead and and pray first, and then uh, then we'll get started. Father, we want to thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, that we could reach out to folks that we'll never see and uh, to be able to have a, an opportunity to minister to them the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that uh, your Spirit would take these words and uh, help, Lord, to uh, minister to them, Lord, the things that they need in their, in their lives at this particular time. Uh, Father, I realize, God, that I, I'm, I'm nothing, Lord, and, and without you, I can't do anything. So, Lord, uh, by your help, Lord, I'll be able to do this podcast and pray that I might glorify thee in all that I say and do. Ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Psalm 145, excuse me, beginning in verse 1, I will extol thee, my God, my ki- O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the gracious honor of thy majesty, and of thy wondrous works. <clears throat> and uh, men shall speak of the, of the might of thy terrible acts and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee they shall speak of thy of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men uh, his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion uh, endureth throughout all generations The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The the eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand, and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Now, obviously, from the heading that you can see there in in, in your Bible, it is a psalm of David. 
And you may not realize it, but this is also a prophetic reference to the millennium. And uh, it's uh, if you take a look throughout there, if you read through some of those scriptures, go over it again, you'll realize that David is making reference to a king and his kingdom. And of course, we know that to be the millennial reign of Jesus Christ following the tribulation. Um, <clears throat> truly, it is a reference, like I said, to Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. Now, I don't Maybe some of you may not be familiar with this, but there's a rise in anti-Semitism, and there's even a rise of anti-Semitism in what would be called Baptist fundamentalism, or at least a branch of that. And uh, you need to be careful of that, because in spite of the fact that uh, that the Jews uh, delivered Jesus Christ to be crucified and uh, reject him even to this day, uh, the Lord will restore the nation of Israel and give them the Messiah, the King that they have been looking for. The only thing that they don't know at this time, the fact that that King and the Messiah that will be given to them is, is in fact, Jesus Christ himself. Uh, this is, a, again, a psalm of praise to the Lord and to his kingdom, to the Jews and as well as Christians, we can spiritually make application to us and in regards to heaven. Now, before I go any further, let me let me let me say this: uh, most of you listening to this podcast are used to uh, direct Bible study and so forth, and and uh, this podcast is probably going to be a little bit different. Uh, this one's going to be more of an exhortation. And uh, if I get a little preachy, forgive me, uh, but uh, this is something that's been on my heart and, and uh, uh, just want to try to get it across to you. So in spite of the fact that, that uh, this is a prophetic reference and David is declaring in this psalm what he intends to do, and of course we can make that same declaration, and that's really what I want to try to draw to your attention. Take a look there in verse one again. It says, "I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever." Now we read through that, and most of the times when we're reading our Bible, we come across what we think we understand, but we really don't understand it at all. That word "extol." Uh, most people, if you ask them to give you a definition of that word extol, will not be able to tell you exactly what that means. They know it means something that is in regards to praise, but they really don't understand it fully. If you were to take a look at that and, and uh, uh, find out what that definition for the word extol is, it means praise enthusiastically. Praise enthusiastically. Now, I don't know if you get around in churches much, but you really don't see a whole lot of churches praising God enthusiastically in their services. But yet, that's what David's talking about. He says, I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Uh, do you extol the Lord? Do you praise him enthusiastically? It reminds me of another word that you see throughout the Psalms, and that's the word exalt. If you've got a Bible, just flip over there in, in the book of Psalms, flip over to Psalm 34. 
Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 1, it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I hear David is is trying to include you and I as in in, uh, an attempt to worship God and exalt his name together. That word exalt, we probably have a little bit better of uh, understanding of what that's a reference to. But in case you're not uh, familiar with it, exalt means to praise or praise. or or, uh, regard highly, sorry about that, praise or regard highly, to raise to a higher rank or position. In Psalm 118, verse 28, it says, Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. Now, to exalt, if we could, uh, you know, kind of uh, get an idea of what that would be, that would basically be to lift him up, to lift him up for the world to see, so that attention is drawn to him and not to us. It is pointing people to Jesus Christ. This is somewhat of a rude uh, 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 example or illustration of that. Uh, speaking, Matthew, talking about uh, baptizing some folks up there in, in Alaska, there in Point Hope. Uh, years and years ago, uh, I was uh, uh, baptizing some folks in, in the church I was attending at the time. And uh, like most baptistries, if you look behind the pulpit, there is this kind of a window thing. Most of the time they have curtains. Sometimes they have curtains there. Sometimes they leave that window open and they have a mural painted there of some water scene and so forth. But it's framed in like a window. And so I was standing there and I was baptizing a number of people. And then a young boy came down into the baptistry and because of his height, now he wasn't underwater there going into the pool, but but because of the window frame that was there, nobody could see him in the congregation. So just as a point, I, I picked him up under his arms and I lifted him up and I put him up there in the center of that window frame so that the whole congregation could see who was being baptized at that particular time. And that's kind of the point. It's it's in a sense spiritually taking Jesus Christ and lifting him up and declaring him and showing him and pointing him to the world so that they can see him. It is a way to show him off to the world, to brag a little bit about Jesus. You know, that I guess you could say that's putting it in the vernacular, to brag about Jesus. Now, I don't know if you get around much, but you realize that most Christians today are pointing people to their church. Uh, you know, they've got this this church that they go to, and they're pointing people to, we've got this marvelous church, we've got this marvelous church building. There's a place down in, in Pensacola, Florida, who has, and I found out the, the, the price of it, it was a $200,000 chandelier that was in their church. It's one of the focal points, one of the things that, that 
grabs somebody's attention when they go into that and they think, my, what a wonderful place. You know, you have all these, uh, 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 basilicas and, and different uh, ornate churches, you know, and, and they're inviting people. I've heard Roman Catholic people here trying to in, invite other Roman Catholics from another church because of the beauty of theirs, and they try to use that as a selling point to get people to come to their Catholic church because of the ornateness and decor of, of the church. Some people are inviting people to come to their church because of their preacher. Oh, we've got this great preacher. Oh, he he puts it down so that you could really understand what he's talking about. He can really connect with people. Some people are 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 gravitating and 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 trying to get people to come to their church because of their programs and their activities. You know, they 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 brag about their their youth group. You know, they've got this huge youth group and they're really excited. We do all kinds of activities. Normally those activities are just fun things to do, you know, entertainment kind of things to do instead of ministry things to do. But nonetheless, they've got this program that they're trying to get people to come to. And that's the selling point for this. They've got they've got seniors, they've got uh, young adults, they've got college and career, they've got a great youth program and so forth and so on. And all of these things are selling points to get people to come to church. But I think they're missing the point. They may be using Jesus as a prop, but they're trying to get people in by other means. And the Bible says we're supposed to lift him up, lift him up, extol Jesus Christ, exalt him. You know, you look through your Bible and you see that John the Baptist lifted up Jesus Christ. There was a time that Jesus Christ came near the Jordan River where John was baptizing, and I'm not going to say it as loud as I do sometimes, but uh, he said, behold the Lamb of God. Why, John? Why why, Why are we supposed to look on him? Because he taketh away the sin of the world. He taketh away the sins of the world. Well, that's pretty important. We ought to lift up Jesus Christ. You know, John the Baptist said of himself, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. You see, John the Baptist had the right idea. He's wanting to lift up Jesus Christ before those that were there in his attendance so that they would see him, see Jesus Christ. Peter lifted him up. Go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being about the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him uh, with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Of course, you know the story. Peter reaches down, grabs him by the hand, and lifts him up. And there, the when the when the uh, lame man is healed, there take a look in verse eight, and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. 
But you, you got to understand here. This guy is ex- ecstatic about the fact that he's been healed and he's not, you know, some shy wallflower here. I mean, he is excited and he's walking about and he's leaping and he's praising God and all these people that are going in to the temple here. And those that are in the temple are their their attention is gathered there to, uh, to, to, to this man that has now been healed. Take a look in verse 12. Now, all of these people are gathered around now. So you got this scene, this guy is praising God. He's lifting up the Lord and, and probably doesn't understand fully that it was about Jesus Christ, even though that's what, what uh, Peter had said. But now all of these people are standing around and they're amazed. They're absolutely amazed because they realize that this was the guy that was sitting at the gate all these years. He was lame from his mother's womb. He had never walked before. And now all of a sudden, Peter grabs their attention and realizes he has an audience here. And in verse 12, he says, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why, why marvel ye at this? Or why look on us ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness, we, we made this man to walk. Now here he gets a chance to preach. Now you understand he's lifting up Jesus. He's going to lift up Jesus, but listen to how he lifts him up. Verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son, Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. And, but ye denied the Holy one and just and desire ye uh, desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom god hath raised from the dead wherefore we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom you see and know yea the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You see, Peter didn't claim any accolades for himself. He pointed people to Jesus Christ. He pointed people, those people, to the one that they, not too long ago, had delivered up to Pilate to have crucified. And Peter brings that to their attention. Sometimes lifting up Jesus isn't just saying how wonderful he is and how marvelous he is and how great he is, but showing them that Jesus Christ is one that that uh, uh, was suffer, uh, suffered because of your sin. He was put to death because of sin. Uh, we ought to let the people know what he's done for us, to tell of his exploits to brag about him, to let people know uh, in testimony what he's done for you, how he's ministered to you, how he's blessed you, how he's helped you, to preach about him, to tell how great the Lord is and what he did on the cross and how that, that, uh, that sacrifice on the cross can save you from your sins and how his blood can cleanse you from all of your sins. We need to talk about Jesus Christ. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
I think we ought to say so. I think we ought to lift him up. Go back to Psalm 145. You know, we ought to talk about Jesus Christ. We ought to lift him up. And the reason why I say talk about that is because of what we're about to see here in Psalm 145. Take a look in verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the gracious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the mighty of the of thy of the might of thy terrible acts and i will declare thy greatness they shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness we need to talk about him we need to preach about him we need to testify about him we need to praise him exalt him extol him to lift him up in good times and in bad times, in the daytime, and in the nighttime, in health, and in sickness, in joy, and in sadness, in wealth, and in poverty, on the mountaintop, and in the valley. We ought to lift him up and extol him loudly and softly. We ought to extol him publicly and privately. You know, I don't know if you've ever had one of these, and if you haven't, you ought to. Go out to a beach or go out to a secluded woodland someplace. Maybe even your own house when nobody else is home. Turn off all the phones and all the radios and everything and have yourself an enthusiastic fit just praising and extolling God for all that he's done for you, starting with salvation and what he brought you through and where he's brought you now, and just praise him and exalt him and lift him up. We need to lift him up. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, it says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to our God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, sometimes in our lives, there are things that happen to us that, that are sad, tragedies, heartaches. And even in those times, as I mentioned here just a moment ago, we ought to praise him. We ought to lift him up. A gentleman by the name of Louis Albert Banks probably nobody knows of him. I've never heard of him before. They came across this story. He made this comment before he uh, delivered this story. He says, a body is not crippled till its heart has ceased to praise. With that statement, he went on to give this story. He said, an elderly Christian man was a fine singer who uh, had learned that he had cancer of the tongue and surgery was required. He went to the hospital and got himself all prepped and so forth, and he's there with the doctor, and he's uh, asking the doctor one last time, he says, are you sure I'll never sing again? The doctor didn't say anything out loud. He just shook his head with the the negative, no, you're not going to be able to sing again. And then this elderly man asked if he could do something 
that was a little bit strange and out of order, if you will. He said, could I sit up for a minute? So he sat up. The doctor gave him leave, and he sat up. He says uh, something to this. He says, and now uh, you tell me that I can never sing again. I have one song that I that will be my last. It will be of gratitude and praise to God. And it was a song by Isaac Watts. And the, ver- the song went something like this. He says, I will praise my maker while I've, while I've breath. And when my voice is lost in death, praise shall employ my noble power, nobler power. My days of praise shall ne'er be passed, while life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. I don't know, you know, that's kind of a sad thing. That kind of hits me home. I, I like to sing for the Lord and, and thinking about losing something, the ability to be able to sing for him would, would be a, a, a tremendous tragedy for me. And I hope and gra- pray by the grace of God that should something like that ever happen, that I would be able to praise God even at that. You know, something personal that happened here just a couple of days ago uh, we've uh, uh, had uh, a Sheltie that we had for 17 years. Um, she's been ailing for the last couple of years, and, and off and on I would talk about, uh, you know, mentioned to the family, mentioned to my wife. I said, we're going to have to put her down. You know, she's hurting. Her hips are really bad. Her Her back legs, she's pushing farther and farther forward just so she can maintain her balance. Uh, and it finally came to the point she can't hear anymore and, and she's not eating well and, and, you know, you could just see the signs and, but her heart was still good and she still had the desire to ease, even though she couldn't move around very well. And so I put it off and put it off and, and, uh, you know, it just, it kept getting worse and in, in times and I'd make another comment, you know, we're going to have to put her down pretty soon. And, and really my wife and I, neither of us wanted to do it. And uh, finally got to the point where she couldn't even, uh, you know, squat to go to the bathroom anymore. And she'd collapse and fall down. And she'd just look at us with the, those those brown eyes and just like, you know, Daddy, I'm hurting, you know, that type of thing. And, and I you know, I understand she's a dog. I understand she's not a human being. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty stoic for, for the most part through the thing and, and, uh, kind of going through what I knew I had to do and, and so made arrangements with the ASPCA and, uh, uh, had a time on, on Saturday late morning to, to bring her in before, uh, before the time I had her on my lap and just talking to her and, and, uh, petting her and, and, uh, basically saying my goodbyes all the time, still stoic. And, uh, so it took, went to the place and, and had to go in first, uh, to make all the arrangements, financial arrangements and so forth. And they called for someone to come up to the waiting room and went back out to the car and, uh, uh, gathered her up in my arms. My wife and I went into the waiting room and the ladies were there to, to, uh, it's kind of funny. They, they, uh, kind of put the back of their hand up to Pixie while she was in my arms and wanted to, you know, find out if she was going to bite her or something, I guess. I don't know, but found out that, you know, she was still pretty docile and so forth. And, and, uh, uh, she reached out her hands to take the dog 
And uh, I surrendered her. She turned around and asked if I wanted to say goodbye. And that's when I lost it. Uh, told the lady, I said, I'd already said my goodbyes. And it just turned around and just walked out the door. And uh, you say, it's just a dog. I know it's just a dog. But uh, in the hours after that, my wife and I were just remembering all the, the joy. Whew. Wow, I wasn't expecting this. All the joy that she had brought into our lives and all the enthusiasm that she had. And uh, going out and trying to herd kids and, and running and jumping and, and uh, playing tug-of-war and just all the things, the, the, the obedience that she had, the tricks that she could do. And, uh, you know, we just, again, I know she's just a dog, not a human being. But uh, we still praise God for her and, and the joy that she brought into our family. And uh, even though it was a hard time, and even though uh, it was a difficult time, uh, we still thanked and praised him for what he did for us. We need to praise him. We need to lift him up. You know, the Duke of Wellington who was the British military leader that defeated Napoleon at Waterloo, was not an easy man uh, to serve under. He was brilliant, but very demanding and not one to shower uh, compliments to his subordinates. But along later in his life, he was interviewed by a young lady, and she asked him if there was anything that he would change if he had it to do over again. And the thing that he said, he said, I'd give more praise. I'd give more praise. Now, obviously, he's talking about his soldiers underneath him, that he would give them compliments and praise. But when I read that, my immediate thought was, you know, I'd give more praise. I don't want it said of me. I don't want to run my race. And at the end of my race, while I'm there, uh, you know, on the deathbed or whatever, and, and have to say, I wish I'd have praised him more. I wish I'd have praised him more. We need to praise the Lord. We need to lift him up. We need to praise him. First thing I'd like to draw to your attention is we need to lift him up at home. We need to lift him up at home. Does your family hear you talk about the Lord? Your close friends? Maybe those that uh, you go to church with, do they hear you talk about the Lord? Or is everything, or are you, do you talk about everything else but the Lord? Does your home revolve around the Lord or does it revolve around entertainment or sports? You know, you've got so many homes now that, that the parents are nothing more than a shuttle service for all the sports activities that their kids are involved in, and they take precedent over church, they take precedent over everything that goes on, and everything is surrounding and revolving around an activity of sports. could be hobbies, it could be works, uh, you know, work. Is praise to God ready at the tongue? I mean, at the drop of a hat, are you ready to praise the Lord? Thanksgiving to God, is that common in your home? 
I mean, something happens and you just say, well, praise the Lord, man. Thank God for that. Is that ready at your tongue? Is that regular conversation for you? Do you hear, do that, do your children or your family hear stories of you witnessing to somebody else? Do they hear stories of the deliverance that Jesus Christ gave you from your past life? Do they see you actively living out your faith for all to see, not just at home or just not at church? Do they see you pray? Do they see you rejoice in the Lord? Do they see you, in spite of heartache or hardship or trouble, stay strong in the faith, trusting the Lord? Do they see you do that? Take your Bible and go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Take a look in verse 9. Only take heed to yourselves and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. Now, let's just stop there for just a second. Those are the, 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 the children of Israel that have gone through the wilderness 40 years. The, their, their parents and grandparents have died off because of all their unbelief and not wanting to go into the promised land when God told them to. So these are the young ones that have grown up for 40 years, and, and Deuteronomy is a rehashing of the law and Moses' last admonition to them before they enter into the promised land. And he's saying, lest they forget the things that their eyes have seen. Some of them might have been old enough to see the Red Sea part. They certainly were there, and as we'll see here in just a moment, uh, the, the miracles that took place there at Mount Sinai. Uh, they saw God bringing uh, water out of the rock. They saw the manna come down six days out of seven and, and feeding the children of Israel. They saw miracle after miracle performed before their eyes, and, and, and Moses is telling them not to forget the things that they saw. Go on there, and it says, and, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. See, he wanted them to remember it. This is the reason why. But to teach them to thy sons and to thy son's sons. And here he gets specific. He says, especially uh, uh, the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God at, in Horeb, which is Mount Sinai. When the Lord said unto me, gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye, shall, uh, and ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness and clouds and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only ye heard a voice. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, I don't know about you, but I think about that. And hearing God speak from heaven out of the sky and hearing him give them the Ten Commandments. That'd be amazing. I, I don't think I'd ever forget that. 
And knowing me, man, I'd be telling everybody what I heard. Be telling everybody. These are the ones that entered into the promised land. These are the ones that went and fought and, and, and had all these victories going through the promised land and, and securing the land so that they could take, take over for all the inhabitants of the land. Obviously, we know they didn't take care of every one of them. But now take your Bible and go to, to uh, uh, Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2. Take a look at there in verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all, notice that, seen all the great works of the Lord, and that he did, uh, that, that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of, of his inheritance in timnath Harris, in the, in the Mount of Ephraim, uh, on, the so, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also, all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Now, you realize that that generation that followed those that, that came out of the wilderness into the promised land were the ones that turned to Balaam. One generation. And you know why that is? Because those people that came out of the wilderness did not declare like they were told to in Deuteronomy to tell what they had seen to their children and to their grandchildren. They, they, they failed to do that. Take a look back in Psalm 145, Psalm 145, and you'll see that that same thing is mentioned here in that Psalm. Psalm 145, take a look in verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. We need to extol, enthusiastically praise God in our home and tell our children, tell our grandchildren, tell whoever comes into our home what God has done for you to brag upon him, to lift him up, to exalt him to his rightful place. Secondly, we need to lift him up at church. We need to lift him up at church. For too long, denominations have tempered down the worship to a holy hush. Their favorite verse in this regard is found in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20. says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And they use that one verse. There are so many churches you go in and, and you have to whisper when you go in because you're afraid that you might disturb the, the holiness of the place. Of course, it's not the holiness of the place. The God uh, that uh, we're to worship and respect is you bring in with you. It's not the building. But 
nonetheless, they have ignored all the passages which encourage us to use our voice enthusiastically to praise and to extol our God. Baptists, with few exceptions around the country, have lost their shout, their enthusiasm for God, and, and, and their enthusiasm for worship. And you think about that, no wonder the young people aren't interested in church anymore. No wonder once they get out of the parents' house, rarely do they come back to church. You know, in church, you, you find worship without participation. You know, I've been to churches where people there are just observing. I've gone to some of those mega churches just to observe myself, <laughs> but just just to see what it's like. And you know what? They're all watching the huge screens that are above the the the, the pulpit area, the the platform, and they're watching. And they're watching the praise team sing for them. And they're, they're watching the preacher up there on the thing. And they've got the, the scriptures up there on the wall for his PowerPoint presentation. They don't even look down at their Bibles in their lap. And they're just observing. They're not even really participating. They're singing with no passion or with no heart. The words of the hymns mean nothing to them anymore. They're not engaged in what the hymn writer is trying to to get across so that you can, by virtue of what he's written, be able with your own heart to offer up those lyrics to God as if they were your own. There's preaching with no agreement. People are not responding to what is being preached. Now, there might be some people that, with a negative tone, are not agreeing with what's going on, and, and I've I've had that happen from a time to time down at City Mission and so forth, which is kind of interesting. But you realize that if there's something that you agree with, there's nothing wrong with announcing that agreement. You know, that's what amen is, is saying, I agree with what you said. So be it. And, 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 and Baptist churches around the country have been lulled into this slumber to where they're just listening and listening and just letting it bounce off and there's no agreement to what's being said at all. There's no amen. You know, it seems as though, and I I can't say this for everybody, but it seems as though people are sitting in the pews listening to the sermon and giving the preacher a grade on how they did, you know, an A, B, C, D, or F grade. And uh, some of them, when you're looking at them from the pulpit and you're looking at them, some people are just enduring it. And then there's others that criticize it. You know, they find fault. Well, you know, he said Elijah instead of Elisha. And, you know, he should have should have understood what he was saying, you know. And they're just finding every little nitpicky thing that they can find fault with instead of engaging in what he's trying to say and get across so that you can make application to yourself so that you can be the Christian that God wants you to be. There's attendance with no preparation and no heat. (laughs) What I mean by that is that there's no prayer before people come. There's no getting a hold of God and saying, God, I need something from you today. God, I need something. God, fill that preacher with what he needs to say so that I can get something from you. There's no fervency in the prayer. There's no engagement 
at all in worship today in our churches. And then then you hear people say, well, I just don't get anything out of church. I don't think I'm going to go anymore. Well, because they're not putting anything into it. Nothing in, nothing out. You know, the devil has prepped this generation so that they will be ambivalent to church. Doesn't mean anything to them. Now, what I mean by that is how is a preacher to compete with video games, those shoot 'em up video games, you know, where they're seeing the blood, body parts flying all over, you know, and they come to church and they hear a guy preach and, you know, there's no comparison. How, do, how, how does a preacher compete with chase scenes and murders that take place and shoot 'em ups and, and adultery and all of that stuff going on in TV and movies. And how do they compete with the thrill of sporting events and so forth? And yet there are some churches that are trying to compete with that. And they're trying to do some thrilling thing, you know. I remember at a youth meeting down in Carolina one time, uh, I wasn't there, but my kids were there and I saw a video of what was going on. And and uh, in order to get the kids all excited and so forth, they they had a guy in there in, in this guy's congregation that was uh, one of those enduro uh, competition. You know, they did all the jumps and races and stuff like that. I don't know all the technical terms for all that stuff, but but uh, the preacher got up there and was was kind of building this thing up, building this thing up, building this thing up, and they were in this large tent. And uh, from one side of the tent, they had an open flap, and this guy comes through on his motorcycle, and he makes this jump over the top of the pulpit, over the top of the platform, over the top of the preacher, lands on the ramp on the other side, and goes out, and of course, all the kids went nuts. And you realize the next year, they have to come up with something more spectacular than that. And they're trying to compete. They got people's parachuting from the sky, and they they got all these, you know, uh, karate guys doing things and strongmen doing things. And you know what they're doing? They're maybe some of them are lifting up Jesus, but they're trying to find some way to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ instead of really lifting him up. They're trying to find some way to exalt the Lord. And really, I tell you what. You need to talk about him. You need to brag about him. You need to exalt him. Look, you know, some of these things, really, you might be able to get some joy and satisfaction, but they're only going to last for a short period of time. And once you kick the bucket, they're not going to be able to help you at all. You realize that that Christian kids, you know what they need to do? They need to allow their spirit to get connected to God's spirit. And you know what they'll find? They'll find peace. That, that's what they're really looking for. They're looking for peace. You know what they also be able to find? They'll be able to find victory. They'll be able to find an abundant life in Jesus Christ. And, and when their race is over, they'll, be satis- they'll have satisfied expectations at the end. Heaven will be everything God said it would be. They need to get engaged. They need to get plugged in. And you know what? Churches need to lift up Jesus Christ. Thirdly, they need to lift him up in the streets. When you're not at home, when you're not at church, you need to lift him up. Now, the verse I'm about to quote, I understand and realize fully that it is in direct reference to the cross, about Jesus Christ going to the cross and being lifted up. I understand that. 
but there's still the spiritual and devotional application that we can make. And Jesus Christ said this, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. We need to lift him up at work. We need to lift him up in the stores. We need to lift him up in the corners and preach the wonderful name of of Jesus Christ. We need to lift him up to our friends. We need to lift him up to our families. We need to lift him up to our strangers. We need to lift him up. There's a chorus to a song. I believe it's called Lift Him Up. And the chorus goes something like this. Lift him up. Lift him up. With the name of Jesus high. Lift him up. Lift him up. Let his praises fill the sky. Jesus Christ with nail scars hands reaches out to every man. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lift him up. You realize this world is trying to shut him out. But he is exactly what this world needs. Many think that we're trying to push people, we're pushing people away by lifting him up out in public. When we get on the street corners and we street preach and we tell people about their sins and so forth, and that's good to do, that's fine to do, but just don't forget to lift up Jesus Christ. Lift him up. But there are people that think that we're pushing people away, that we're driving people away, and that we're not drawing men. But the Bible says we need to extol him. We need to lift him up. Take your Bible and turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Take a look at verse 9. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. You know what, folks? We need to lift him up. We need to lift him up at home. We need to lift him up at church. We need to lift him up in the streets. Let everybody know who Jesus is. We need to let people know and declare, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We need to tell all who will listen the great things that Jesus Christ has done for you. You know, you can give personal testimony. You can, you can tell people that, you know, what a blessing it is to be alive, to have breath. You can give testimony of what Jesus Christ has done. You don't have to preach to them all the time. You know, some people say, well, hey, how's it going? Hey, I'll tell you what, the Lord's been really good to me today. You know, that might strike up a conversation. But you know what? You're lifting him up. We need to lift him up. We need to let people know that Jesus Christ is our Savior and that we're unashamed to brag upon him. I tell you, folks, we need to lift him up. Lift him up. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Amen. Amen, Steve. Thanks for bringing yeah. that. Uh, and boy, I, I certainly use that. Could use that. Uh, Amen. Admonition too. Amen. What do you guys think? Well, you know, I just want to jump in and say uh, <clears throat> the the 
part that immediately jumped out to me was that verse 4 when you read it uh, about one generation shall praise thy works to another. And uh, especially in light of where I'm at in life, uh, I, I grew up in a pastor's home, and it was a very good um, upbringing, great parents, loving parents, good examples for me. Um, but I, I feel like a lot of times um, when you are close to the ministry, uh, sometimes, unfortunately, we, we can gravitate towards focusing on the negative. And I, I fear that a lot of times kids that grow up in um, ministry homes, they uh, sometimes they hear more of that than what you talked about. So it was just a fantastic reminder for myself um, with, with kids at home to, to really um, practice what we preach and to be lifting God up in just our everyday lives um, around the house. Amen. Amen. And I know, Steve, you've talked about this before, and, and I, I, I think I learned it from you. Uh, you know, people say to you, greet you, you know, hey, what's up? And then, you know, you used to say, heaven. <laughs> you know, Are you going? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's new? The new birth? You know, there's all kinds yep. of little things, yeah, little lines, right? You can throw out to people. and and Absolutely. And even if they ignore it, they've heard it, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, some of them get mad. I, I get guys at work, you know, when they'll say, what's up, Steve? And I'll go, heaven, and you go, and they go, oh, I did it again. <laughs> 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 like, they don't want to ask me the question, but they're so ingrained in asking, you know, they ask everybody, hey, what's going on? I was, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny. That's good stuff, though. Amen. I mean, I just want to say amen to that message as well. And there's uh, so much to to go off on uh, with it. But uh, one of the parts in there he talked about, you know, sometime you ought to get alone with the Lord and just basically worship him and glory, glorify him, shout it out, praise it out. And I um, have a message I preached where in one of the points there, I, I say, you know, sometime before you die, you ought to have a glory fit. <laughs> and, and there's some people that, no, they never have. And there's some people that have, but they've only done it in church. But uh, the best glory fits are with, with you and the Lord, I think, just you and him. Yeah, and I used to sit in on nice. some of our, um, our we call them blowouts. They were basically revival meetings we had in Pensacola. And, you know, it would get it would get on and folks would shout. And a lot of times I would I would just kind of sit there and, I mean, I would soak it in like a sponge. And I, and I wouldn't really get demonstrative or anything, and I'd just enjoy it. But I remember going home after uh, one of those type of services, and that's where I had my glory fit. I was living in a little converted barn, and um, I just ran ran around it outside, ran inside, um, jumped up on my coffee table, and, and it was solid. <laughs> and and just, just had a spell. And I've done I've done that driving in a car. You you know you want to be in the spirit when you're doing it in the car as well because yes. <laughs> there's a lot of dangers out there. But uh, you know we ought to lift him up, and and yeah, the reason you ought to lift him up because he's worthy. Amen. David also said in Psalm eighteen three said I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Yes. And he is worthy, and he's acknowledged. That's acknowledged in uh, Revelation. Uh, 4.11, for example, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And then you get in the next chapter, and you find out that uh, he is lifted up in heaven. 
Mm-hmm. As uh, John uh, related to us saying, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. Amen. And the four beasts said, amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and the four and 20 elders fell down and worship him that liveth forever and ever. Now that scene begins in heaven, but it's talking about a time when that's going to go on in all the universe. But yes. I just point out as I, uh, I wrap this up, but they, they lift him up in heaven. And they worship him out loud in heaven. And if you're saved, you yourself are going to get up to heaven one day and you're going to lift him up when you get there. You'll extol him. You'll magnify him. uh, You'll do it unashamedly. You won't worry about what anybody else thinks. Your hands will go up in the air and you'll give the Lord Jesus Christ honor and praise and glory when you get to heaven. So I think you just might as well practice now and get good at it. (laughs) Yeah, man. Preach it, man. Preach it. Yes. He's just as worthy now as he will be then, right? Amen. So give him the glory. Yes. Amen. Amen. You know, you talk about the place that you had your glory for the first one. I think I remember I had been saved probably about three months and we were, had pulled over to Pensacola. I think I've told that story before and we were there for about a month and a half. And, uh, uh, just one little tidbit, about 30 guys had gotten saved. We had camped out there on the base, uh, for a little camp out, you know, and, and so forth. A bunch of guys were there and, and, I don't know if I was uh, encouraged, not as a group, we were maybe encouraged to do something similar. And, and right there on the base, they, they had the, uh, the uh, bay that comes in off of the Gulf of Mexico where all the ships come in. And I remember going out on the beach. And I made sure that I looked around real, real careful both ways and back behind me and everything else to see if there was anybody else around. And what I tried to do is I tried to outshout the surf coming in and just praise God and, and we're pacing back and forth and my arms were flailing and my voice was raised and, and I think I gave it a good 15, 20 minutes before my voice gave out and, and uh, was satisfied that I had uh, praised God enough. <laughs> but it was just one of those things. I tell you, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I felt clean on the inside after doing something like that. I just, I, I don't know. I guess that's just the, the, the way I felt. I just felt clean. Like I had just let God know how thankful I really was for what he had done for me. And it really, really gripped me and, uh, just praise God for it all. And, and, uh, uh lift him up. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Matthew, you still there? I don't see him. Yeah. Uh. He just went out and started praising the Lord. <laughs> he got a, he got an early start on it, didn't he? And and uh, I mean, does you're talking about glory fits and the, and those kinds of things? I I know that I would say in the last couple of months, Kathy and I are, are reading the Bible together and and going through um, where we started again in Genesis and Exodus, and and we start talking about the Lord and. We, we, it's not so much shouting that sometimes we will, we will start to cry <laughs> when we think Amen. about the things that, you know, the sacrifice that the Lord gave, you know, giving his body, giving himself for us and dying on the cross and 
God the Father turning his back on him. And, you know, so we're not shouting about it, but we, we're, we're looking at each other. And sometimes I think, boy, we're a couple saps here <laughs> sitting here crying. But, <laughs> but man, you know, if he that's, it gets a hold good. of you, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Amen. You know, I, I, do you find it sad that uh, people, instead of lifting up the Lord, you know, in whatever they're doing, whether they're singing or, or whatever, but you find that they're trying to be entertainers and, you know, they may be saying about him, but the message isn't revolved around him. It's like, look at me type of a thing. You yeah, see it, that? Oh, yes, it, it is sad. I, I'm reminded of a situation I saw many years ago now. It was at a, um, it was at a revival meeting um, in the, in a church that was, at least at one time, holding to the, you know, the old book and the old faith, and I think they were just about the point point where they're kind of in transition. And a, a girl got up to sing, and and she could sing, and but but she's singing the song, and I don't remember what the song was, but I'll never forget. Right before she got to this one point in the song, she looked out into the congregation at one of her friends and gave this kind of like this smile, like, "Here I go," and then came the whole thing that the song was built around this big, big thing that she did with her, with her voice, you know, and, and it wasn't, as you said, it was not nothing that lifted up the Lord. It was okay. All the attention went on to the person and, and you can have talent and skill and you can use your voice to, to let it go in singing and, and point it to God and and have him get the glory. But there's just something about it. uh, When it is that thing about, you know, instead of, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's more like, you know, I must increase. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, Amen. and I haven't had a whole lot of experience with that, but I, I remember one of the early churches when we moved out here by the Finger Lakes, it was um, north of Binghamton, and they had, it was a small church, and they had the, the canned music, and so folks, particularly these girls, would get up with their microphones and, and it became something else other than I, than I was used to. It was uh, it, it almost had a, like a nightclub esque kind of quality. Ah, yes. Yeah. And it was like, oh boy, that just that just killed the spirit right there. You know, it was yeah. It was it's hard. It was. I mean, I'll drop a name, but that that same type of attitude and atmosphere, you know, is what you get with like Jimmy Swaggart. You know, that mm-hmm. nightclub soundings. Yeah. Uh, and 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 it's all about the voice and and the the way it's delivered and and you know it's just i don't know i personally my spirit within me and i believe the holy spirit bearing witness says that ain't it kid that ain't it (laughs) amen and and as i said before man i've heard some guys that that cut loose and give it all they got and, Mm -hmm. and you're enjoying it with them but when it's all said and done, I mean, you're you're looking to the Lord. They're pointing you right yeah. to heaven. Amen. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of a guy who's passed away many years ago, and I think Steve would probably might remember his name. But uh, I, Ray something or other. Does that ring a bell? Ray Hart. Yes, Ray exactly, Hart. exactly. That's what I think about when I think about how he sang, humble as could be, and and just all about lifting up the Lord. Big voice, big voice. But yes, it was all about the Lord. Yeah, Amen. Uh, you know that that's kind of the gist of of you know the message there is is that you know you could use all your wisdom 
and all your uh, ability to be able to try to reason with somebody. But really, the, 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 the best thing is just lift up Jesus Christ. Just give testimony of what he did for you and, and uh, what he's able to do, what he did on the cross. Uh, you know, uh, just point people to him. I mean, I know it's I know it's kind of you know childish, if you will, but if you could think of that little kid in the baptistry and just taking Jesus Christ and just putting him out in front and letting people see him, Man. and uh, let them see that he's the one that they can uh, find the the peace and the victory and the and the solace that they're looking for. So, Amen. And you're right. Uh, if he if he's lifted up, you know he'll draw them into him. You take that gospel the bible says that uh, it is the power of god unto salvation so Amen. there's power in it and sometimes it's, the story seems so simple and yet that's the focal point of it so mm-hmm. we we turn it loose turn him loose in the world and it gives folks the opportunity to see who he is and uh, make an intelligent informed decision because they're so inundated by a bunch of other junk 24 hours a day seven mm-hmm. days a week uh, we need to try to help give uh, Jesus some uh, equal opportunity. Yeah, my pastor says, yeah, you know, everybody's going to believe something. Everybody's going to follow someone. And he said, I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ because there's no one better. Who are you going to who, who are you going to yeah, follow amen. that's better than him? Yeah, you know? amen. Amen, amen. What 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 are you going to believe that, you know, you can believe what? Evolution, you can believe in movie stars, you can believe in rock groups. Or you can believe the Bible and the Lord. You know, take your pick. And uh, without without even question, we know the the, the the pick that's deserving. Yeah. You know, so he says. I felt like I was going a little long, but I was. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say this just to finish up on that. He says that, uh, you know, everyone has faith. Don't let anybody tell you that they, you know, you're just, you just, you got to have faith for that. You got to have faith for what you believe too. You know, you're, you're yeah. believing in, Amen. you know, like uh, evolution. You can't see that in the test tube. You can't, nobody can demonstrate that to you or prove that. That's faith. And right. he said, you know, you, yep. all these other things that people have their faith in. And, you know, today, when people say, well, well I'm spiritual, they're not, they're, they made up their own spirituality. They're their own kind of quote unquote religion. It's a little hodgepodge of everything. And in whatever it is, yes. it's all accepted, you know, by by themselves. But it's all right. All right, I'm done. Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I you know I, I felt like I was getting a little long, but uh, you know, doing the doing the uh, podcast and stuff. And I know we're still in the podcast, but one of the things I was going to end with was uh, the song by Charles Weigel. Uh, no one ever cared for me like Jesus, and mm-hmm. and just just. A line or two from that, it says, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. And of course, there's a couple other verses, but that kind of tells it all. You know, that's all you have to do is just tell him what Jesus Christ did for him, for you, and and lift him up. Lift him up. And guess what? He's coming. He's coming soon. (laughs) Yes, he is. Looking forward to that day. Amen. 
one's heart's with Well, guys, again, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being on the podcast. And you folks that are listening, thanks for listening. Send us an email at that's in the Bible at gmail.com. Let us know that you're out there. And perhaps maybe some other questions or things that you'd like to hear. All right, Lord willing, we'll see you next time. All of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Going where going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Troubles will soon be o'er, happy forevermore. When we meet on that shore, free from all care. Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Many will, many will meet their doom. Trumpets will sound, surely sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Go where, go where no one dies, heavenward bound. Jesus is coming soon. Shall rise, righteous be in the skies. Go with where, go to where no one dies. Heavenward. Bow.